0: Now he is your
1: host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper. Huge welcome to the show today. I hope uh, you're well wherever you are uh, during these uh, these strange and unusual times that are um, spreading across the globe at the moment. Um, so do hope everything is uh, is good with you. And today we've got another um, excellent show. We've got uh, Dr. Rona McKenzie. We're going to be talking about um, ab- about really um, developing. Your career about reinventing your future uh, today before we do that, I want to just say a big thank you to my guest last week. We had Rick Moore on the show. We were talking about overcoming resistance and I, I love that show with uh, Rick last week I think I think the we all experience resistance during our our work lives, probably our family lives as well, if you've got children and uh, last week, uh, Rick and I were talking about uh, you know the different strategies to overcome resistance to all of the work that he's done with uh, with government organizations around the globe etc and I think this is a really important topic um, and I think one of the things I took from that show was when it comes to resistance people are going to resist you if they don't understand it uh, what you' what you're saying they're going to... Uh, resist if uh, they don't like it because they're worried about their own jobs and careers and what it means to them. And they're also going to resist at a third level if they don't trust you. And, and you've got to get all of those things, get it clear, help people to understand the implications on themselves, that uh, it's, it's okay, hopefully, um, and present a better future. And you've also got to uh, ensure that people are trusting you if you want to overcome that uh, that resistance. But have a listen to that interview. Um, it got really good feedback from people, and I, I thought it was a really great, great conversation. So well, we're getting close over here in the United Kingdom to Christmas, uh, to the new year, and many of you around the globe will be, you know, thinking about that as well and maybe holiday time soon. And you might be thinking right now is – what am I going to do moving forward? What is um, the future that I want to walk into? And perhaps it's time for a career change. And as somebody who develops leaders and teams and builds engaging workplaces, I'm often talking with people, as my guest is today, about, uh, about people, about their future, and helping them to uh, design uh, and, and work towards a future that's really compelling for them. A new challenge. You know, maybe uh, a greater sense of well-being. You know, perhaps you're just stuck with, with what to do next, or maybe you've been offered something and you're considering what are the different, um, different options. And if any of these ring true, I think you'll find the interview today and the conversation with Rona McKenzie really, really interesting. And, and Rona has um, had a a fascinating career and a very varied career and I can relate a little bit to that myself with the different aspects of work I've done. Um, Rona's worked from, um, she's developed her her, her experience through the world of school leadership uh, and management. She's been the chief operating officer of a luxury jewelry company. Uh, She's been in a senior um, sales role in cybersecurity and today Uh, She tells me that she has found her dream, dream consultancy role, uh, working with the Inspirational Development Group, uh, which which works um, internationally and supports the growth of the next generation of global leaders. So if you want to reinvent your career at the moment, come and listen to this conversation, take a, a notepad with you. And I'd just like to say a big welcome today to my guest, Dr. Rona McKenzie. Hi,
2: Chris. Thanks so much. It's lovely to join you today.
1: It's lovely to join you as well. Um, I'm just looking at your picture on on Zoom at the moment, and I'm trying to work out, is that, is that Lake Louise or Moraine Lake? Is, is that oh, in Canada? I think it looks... Um, it
2: is, yeah, it is. Um, my partner's Canadian, and we went out to see his family in October, that little gap in the in the last crazy couple of years where we could actually go overseas. And so we stood there at the end of Lake Louise, and it it is just so beautiful. Uh, I was born in Scotland, and I love the mountains. So, yeah, I feel a real sense of belonging when I'm there.
1: Oh well, I'm just. I think I probably stood about the same spot with my wife, <laughs> and, uh, and and we 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 love the mountains of Scotland. In fact, I think in 2019, I went up six times. I think because I just love that. Oh, I love yes. Scotland. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So tell tell us where where in the world are you now, and and how are you preparing for this festive season in these uh, rather unusual times.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting in my little home office in uh, Tuxford, which is in Nottinghamshire, in the East Midlands in the UK. Um, it's extremely foggy outside. In fact, I could probably be anywhere in the world because I can't see anything for more than about 50 metres. Um, and my partner Stefan's next door. I'm working hard up. Labrador is downstairs Olive um, and we are planned for Christmas so he loves Christmas I I'm kind of normally late to the festivities but he's a real big fan so the trees are up the presents are wrapped and we are good to go next week
1: oh lovely lovely you, I bet you're probably only about 30 miles away from me <laughs> 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 which is quite unusual actually <laughs> <on this show. laughs> sometimes thousands of miles apart yeah. so uh, and actually what i'm quite biz- interested in is i can't see fog where i am so, interesting so so um so you're all kind of set for the the new year and you've um i mean what i think is quite interesting with you is the variety of different roles you've done but i'm i'm kind of intrigued really with you know your your informative years you know tell us a little bit about that and maybe what what has inspired you and motivated you in ultimately your, your career and, and, and career path?
2: Um, it's a really interesting question. And I, you know, I mentioned that I was born in Scotland. Um, I lived with my mum and dad and I was definitely inspired by the location and by them. Um, my dad was a fell runner, so we spent our weekends in the mountains. He was running up and down them um, very fast. And my mum and I would wander up um, and then wander back down again. Uh, and I remember having the biggest rucksack ever, which I slowly grew into. Um, but also my mum and dad helped to develop or for me to develop a real sense of curiosity. Um, a love to learn and an ambition to do well. My mum went into nursing and my father into the Air Force when they were teenagers. And they worked very, very hard. Um, And whilst we didn't have lots of money, they provided endless opportunities for me to learn things Um, and they saved and invested in their education. So my kind of early teenage years, I remember them both hard at work in their evenings on their Open University degrees. Um, and multiple other qualifications. And I, I learned that if you were curious and you invested your time and whatever money you had into learning, uh, it really brought lots of happiness and, and lots of and an interesting future. Um, and it didn't mean that if you couldn't do it when you were 18 or 20 or 30 or 40, that it was irrelevant. You could do it anytime. And um, so yeah, they they instilled it in that that in me in a young age, but I, I don't think they necessarily meant to. It was just kind of part and parcel of, of where we lived and what we what we did. Um, but, yeah, my dad's a big athlete, and so uh, all of our lives, every day is a sport day or an active day. So you'll still find him in the garage on his bike every day or table tennis, and, and yeah, I've definitely inherited that from him.
1: Fantastic. probably find him on Zwift somewhere, there <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do that as well, yeah. I mean, fell running is actually a it's an incredibly challenging sport, isn't it? And oh. the, the speed... Uh, they uh, they they come up and down it is just unbelievable.
2: Absolutely, I, I like to walk. Um, definitely not to run up the mountains. <laughs> I did inherit that a bit from him.
1: <laughs> I did. I did a few years ago. I did an event. Did most to run up and down seven Monroe's in a day wow. as part of a part of the event. And I've not been able to run since. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh and i don't detect a, a scottish accent actually no we
2: moved when i was um about seven and uh and then since then i've lived in lots and lots of different places so i guess i lost the accent quite quickly although my granny when she passed away i don't think she lived in scotland for about 50 years and she retained her accent till the day she died so
1: mm.
2: yeah but no i lost mine quite quickly i guess because of my age
1: yes yeah so, so tell us a, a bit then about the variety of careers and roles that you've had, and I'm I'm intrigued as to where there was a you know a common purpose, a common thread between these roles, because there've been you know quite you've been in quite a, a number of different roles and sectors.
2: Yeah, I think um the my love for being active and playing sport led to me training to be a teacher. Um, I, I did think once upon a time I might be a nurse, and I picked my A levels because of that. And when I was honest with myself, I realised that I'm not really great with blood and gory bits. So no, it's not going to be very good. Um, and one of my mum's um, friends was a PE teacher, and she said, "Well, all you do is play sport. That's what you love. Why don't you go and learn to teach that?" And I guess I probably didn't know at that time that that's something I could do. So I went off to university. Uh, well, it was a college then, Bedford College of Physical Education. I was proud to be there, and I spent four years learning to teach. Um, And I loved it. I really loved it and went off after that to teach um, down in Reading. And in that first year of teaching, I was asked to become a pastoral leader, a deputy head of year. And I realised that I had a real fondness for working with students in terms of their personal development and particularly those who found school hard or challenging. Um, And So I spent nearly four years in that school and during that time I worked in lots of different pastoral roles and then moved on to a new job where I um, worked both teaching PE but I also set up a centre for students who had what we called then um, behavioural, social or emotional difficulties. Um, and I found that fascinating and rewarding and challenging in every way. Um, but the school offered to pay for me to do a master's in special needs. And um, I distinctly remember saying that I didn't think I was clever enough to do that. Um, I got two D's and an N when I did my A-levels. And uh, I went and did my first degree and I thought that was probably my ceiling. But they didn't agree um, and they funded my master's. And it, I guess what it showed me was that I love to learn and there were great opportunities out there. And because I'd started that a little bit later than others, it didn't matter. I could do it at any time. So I I, I then went off and worked in four other schools around the UK in all sorts of jobs, um, both in kind of curriculum jobs as an assistant principal and special needs um, and as a deputy head. And then uh, I saw a job advertised in the Times Educational Supplement and you know when you see something and you think, "Oh, it looks amazing," um it was a new college for fourteen to nineteen year olds being set up um, specialising in science and engineering. We'll park the fact that I don't know anything about engineering, but uh, what it did do was it took these young people and showed them um what it would be like to both study and work in industry. So it really was um rooted in the heart of the local business community and the founders were a local fe college and the university in siemens and they had this amazing plan um, on about 100 odd pages of this new college that would be opening in 18 months so they were advertising for a principal to to set it all up in a 12-month period and uh, so i thought well i've got nothing to lose by applying which has kind of been my philosophy in life if you don't apply you don't you don't know what you might get um, so I applied and got an interview. I remember thinking that, uh, yeah, that was amazing. I'd give it my best. And um, after three days, they rang and offered me the job. Which was um I remember it really clearly sitting in the lounge on the phone in absolute stunned silence and the gentleman saying, Are you okay? Are you still there? Um, mm-hmm. and being really ecstatic. I'd got this amazing, challenging job. Um, and then in the next breath thinking, Oh, I don't even know where to start. I haven't been ahead before. Um, I've never I've never built a school, so to speak, in terms of you know, the building contractors were doing the physical building, but As principal, where did I want my classrooms? How did I want them laid out? What equipment would we need? Um, All of these things that I'd, I'd, I think are kind of taken for granted when you work in a business that exists. You don't think about deconstructing it and rebuilding it. Um, And i would not really considered the the myriad of things you would have to plan for um, in setting up a new school. Um, But yeah, I got the job and in September I started I had 12 months to set up with a little tiny team of people. Um, I had to work out how to market uh, a school and to students and parents, uh, a school that didn't exist physically. They couldn't see it, touch it, look around it. Um, but yeah, we, we did. And the team, we had an amazing year setting up and, uh, and opened after that, that year-long period. And I, it was a real proud moment to see what we'd all achieved um, in that September, when uh, the doors opened for our first cohort of students, it was amazing.
1: Mm, fantastic. And oh, well, from the first thing I'm sort of taking taking from this interview is, you know, I, you know a little bit about that you're showing there that you you didn't achieve, I think probably what you anticipated in your A levels, but actually, you know, further down the track, you you successfully completed an MBE. That's oh, an MBE and an MBA. An, um, a, 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 um, an MBA. Um, yeah, the NBEs. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably thinking about the future of the <laughs> <laughs> Um But um, you know, I think that gives real hope for people if they have a setback that actually is—it's is, often recoverable. Yeah. The
2: funny thing was, uh, I spent three and a half years in the school um the mixture of absolute highs and the biggest challenges of my life without shadow of a doubt um but the the day we got our first set of exam results the bbc came to interview me um, and i stood on the steps of the school it was very beautiful it's in lincoln you have to google it lincoln utc it's the most amazing building standing on the steps and the interviewer said to me so dr mckenzie um uh you, you must remember your a-level results day even though it's quite a while back um how did how did it feel to get your results and i said well i got two d's and an n and he looked at me in absolute disbelief and said y- you got what i said yeah I, I didn't do very well and he said well what was your message then to the students getting their results today and i said it doesn't matter whatever you get is what you do next um, and I think that, yeah, that was really defining for me. And I think for some of our students as well, because they realised that life's not this straight, linear journey you expect. It goes in all sorts of wiggly ways, but that's what makes it colourful and interesting.
1: Excellent. And you went to, to, we've only got a couple of minutes to commercial break, mm-hmm. but you went into a jewellery company, you went into cyber, and now you have a role with um, the Inspirational Development Group. Um, if, if, you know, some, some interesting uh, jumps and turns, but I'm guessing that the the work you do now, is you need know, probably those other roles that you've done have all um, come together in this, this, uh, this latest opportunity, which sounds very exciting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, after the break, I'll tell you what, what made me leave the ETC and, and what happened next, because I guess that was, that was a really defining moment in my life um, and when I started on that MBA. Um, but yeah, everything, what I've learned is along the way, even from those early days um, of my childhood, through to now, it, I constantly learn something new um, about myself and about others and about the world around me that takes me in another little twist and turn and direction. And that curiosity about what's out there is, is I think, for me, the key to, to whatever we're calling the future reinvention, whatever that might be. Is The curiosity is what takes you along, along the journey and, and makes it exciting.
1: Yes, it's not, all, it's not always completely planned, is it? But then, I don't know about you, I certainly feel that I've got to a place where suddenly it all makes sense <laughs> you know do you for the same
2: absolutely and it's easy to feel a bit smug almost that you've found it um, and some people I guess won't and somewhere along the line we will find all sorts of different places but it is a lovely feeling to know and as I say my bit of the jigsaw fits in the right puzzle and it's a nice but nice time to find your fit
1: Fantastic. So we're going to get to commercial break now. and After the commercial break, we'll find um, a little bit more about um, about Rona and some of her career experiences with um, with some of the key messages, uh, which hopefully will you know, inspire you if you're going through that turning point, that a certain critical moment at the moment, and uh, considering um, reinventing your future. We'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes to join us after the break.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here
0: facilitated leader development workshops and speeches email info at be to arrange a free no obligation consultation to see how chris and his team can help you we hear it and read about it every day in the news
2: America
0: You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. and we're Dr. Rona McKenzie. And um, we were just chatting before the break about some of Rona's experience. And you know, I took a message there around, uh, you know, just... Uh, you, you know, if you have a setback, you can get back on your feet again and uh, progress. And uh, Rona is a really great example of that and ended up, at, you know, this was at a point where she was uh, leading Lincoln UTC uh, and, uh, and, and found herself on the ste- steps of the building being interviewed about her experiences. But Rona, you decided to, at some point, you, you clearly decided to leave that role and you you moved on your career. And I'm kind of intrigued, you know, is it, is it good to specialise become an expert in a field or or i wonder with you are you someone like uh, a little bit like myself who really enjoys variety and is prepared to go with serendipity a little bit sometimes
2: yeah it's interesting i think when i worked in education i thought that that's where i would always stay um and i guess i also got onto that that stairway of climbing the ladder, so to speak, of responsibility, taking on new jobs. And then when I got the ult- what I thought was the ultimate job, um, <laughs> there were many parts of it I loved. But I remember after that exam result day, about a week later, I was down in London at a glitzy event, um, at some awards ceremony I'd been invited to, coming home on the train, absolutely exhausted and thinking, how can I be exhausted? It's the first week of term. Um, and I know that teachers, head teachers listening, will, will appreciate that feeling at that time of year. And I just realised I was spending too much of my time doing the things that I didn't love as much. So, uh, government dictating what was important: education, exam results, Ofsted accounts, um, progress measures. And I knew that that wasn't the be-all and end-all. And I wasn't spending the time I wanted to with, with young people. And so I decided I would leave. And, and it, it was my baby in vertical, you know, I'd set it up and I was really proud of it. So leaving was difficult, but but I knew I was in the wrong space. That it wasn't to be my future. Um, and so I resigned and I left that Christmas. So I, I left on the 31st of December and the 1st of January, I went from being a principal to being a student, which is the weirdest thing. Um, and I think if anyone ever does change a role that drastically, um, just being appreciative that that loss of identity can be quite crippling at first because I suddenly didn't know who I was. I'd been, I'd been somebody. And now I, you know I used to say I used to be a head. I'd meet people and say, I, I used to be a head teacher. Um, and I was very proud of that, but I hadn't realized that I could be equally proud of the fact that I was now an MBA student. And the reason I did that, I went to study that course was, Partly, I think I was having a really old gap year (laughs) at kind of 40. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I, I felt like I had this language of education that I understood. And I didn't know if industry would use the same language. So I thought, I can have a year... Um, i went to sheffield in the january to start my course and i could understand how business would be talking and behaving and and i could then see what was next for me and i actually learned that the language is the same you know tons of acronyms um, and i had a load of experience and skills that translated perfectly into business language and skills so you know what next was really my question and i didn't know but i I had a really odd encounter, odd in the sense of unexpected, um, standing on Newark uh, station platform, about to catch a train to London with my mum, bumped into a chap I knew who was a CEO of a luxury jewellery company. I'm um, hand making the most amazing pieces of jewelry, and we got chatting. And I was starting my first module, and I said to him, "I'm, I'm doing marketing, a marketing strategy module. Do you fancy and um, being my business partner on it? So I'll focus on your business. I'll do all the research." And he said, "Yeah, great." Um, and the long and the short story of it is basically he offered me a job. I wrote him 120 odd pages of research. Uh, and in okay. turn he said why don't you go and work with me <laughs> so, so i did and the people thought it was absolutely bonkers um but it was a perfect fit he was a great guy he is a great guy still friend of mine um he helped me to learn a lot and i, I worked studied with the gemology institute of america so i could learn about gemstones and metals and techniques um i was I did learn that I'm really rubbish at window displays um but mm-hmm. I did have a creativity I didn't know about. It turns out that if you if someone walks into a shop and they want to buy jewelry I have a, a good sense of knowing what colors and designs and shapes would suit their their hands or their neckline. so I learned lots um and yeah, I had for nearly four years with with David and the team. And then the pandemic came, of course, uh, towards the latter end of that. And I'd always thought I'd go and do something different, and I didn't know what that was. Um, And oddly enough, our accountant said to me um, she was working with a company who were looking for someone to work in business development, and um, was I interested in supporting them in cybersecurity? You know, another industry I knew absolutely nothing about. And I said, yeah, why not? So I I joined them part-time and worked for the two companies and then went and joined them full-time and tried my hand at something completely different. Uh, and again, a set of, a set of skills that some of which I had a lot of knowledge I didn't have. And I studied with Oxford university to learn about strategic approaches to cybersecurity. Um, and I spent a year yeah, looking at marketing and sales of cyber. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it absolutely frightened the life out of me. Um, I was that person who didn't really think much about their passwords before that job and then became the one my friends used to like sort of laugh at me and say what's she going to tell us today what doom and gloom stories she got about Mm. another business that's been hacked or another person that's had this happen to them and and I was full of stories but actually they were real and they were happening every day um and so it was easy to be passionate about helping people to keep themselves secure Um, so yeah I, I I'd I had a fun year with them, but I, I realised that I was, I, I kind of see my life as I'm a piece of a jigsaw and I'm looking for the right jigsaw for it to fit into in terms of work. And my piece just didn't quite fit. I am. Um, whilst marketing and sales is interesting, it, it's not my natural, it's not where my passions lie. Um, and so I said, it's been amazing, thank you. This isn't the right fit. And if it's not the right fit for me, it's equally not, the right fit for someone else um, in terms of a business so i said all right i'm gonna i'm gonna resign and take a break and and see what happens next as mm. they say
1: so i mean it's a really interesting that around um mean I, I, you know, one of the things that really <coughs> in, it's impacted me big time was about 15 years ago i i had come out of a board director role in a huge huge corporation um through to setting up a consultancy with, with uh, about 25 staff ultimately. And I'd sold my share because it didn't quite fit my values. And and I, I'd look back on my career, which had been, I've been in sale, sales for Mars for a long time, um, um, but I worked in sales, marketing, procurement, HR, training, logistics. Um, so huge different moves around in different kind of functions. But it was I, I, I felt I was drawn to people. And I, I did a particular diagnostic tool which um, showed that you know people was where I was in my greatest flow, and where I was happiest in you know, connecting with with others and new business development, but also coaching training facilitating, and based upon that, I decided to reinvent my future going forward i thought I've, I, I loved it when I was leading divisions and teams and and people um, and that 's where I was at my happiest it wasn 't looking after logistics for five and a half thousand pubs and restaurants. the detail was just too over over detail for me but but once i realized where my particular flow was and what i was particularly good at um you know i've, I've spent the last 15 years ensuring that that's why i spend my time um <laughs> and i said <just, laughs> with you that you know you sort of discovered it maybe by by doing the roles <laughs> and seeing it didn't like it
2: yeah and also <laughs> that what's fascinating is a as a kind of a, a mirror is that i did um, a behavioral analysis tool that looks at intrinsic motivators yeah. um Earlier in the summer, and the reason I did it was because I chair um, the board of a youth theatre company called Zest Theatre. an mm. Amazing team of people, and they're so passionate about ensuring that their board members truly work together effectively, and we know one another. And the pandemic made that challenging because we couldn't get together physically, and we brought new members in the team. So we all did some, a profiling tool that we could use to talk to one another about how would we work best, so that yes. when we're working as a team, we can get the best from ourselves one another and it was that profile that gave me the nudge and there's been this has happened repeatedly there's been things that have given me a bit of a nudge at different times and because what it was saying to me was the the way the the environment you're in in terms of work isn't suiting you and your intrinsic motivators so it wouldn't matter how much i tried to change things it just wasn't quite right Um, and it it, it felt like it gave me the, the nudge as i say to go this isn't quite right and so be brave. And I've always been about be brave and be curious and see what's out there. And so I did resign without a job to go to. I just, um, we were heading over to Canada, as I mentioned. So we thought, right, I'll stop and uh, have a break. I quite fancy a holiday and, uh, and and stop. So, yeah, as you say, sometimes it's um, if you I think the most important skill we can have aside of the curiosity is the ability to reflect honestly really honestly and and be authentic you know it's easy to talk about reinvention and it almost sound a bit fake like I've reinvented myself to be something else in in fact we we haven't reinvented we've just we've tweaked where we're going and what we're doing because we've learned a little bit more about ourselves and we're not a fixed self we'll change throughout our lives so knowing who I am today and what I need is really important and that ability to
1: reflect is is invaluable. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, I think uh, once you know got a sense of your purpose and maybe where you're most naturally in and out of your flow, uh, and then perhaps, you know, I think vision sometimes is very, very, very helpful. Um, I think it's, uh, I, th- I think it's what, you know, that reinventing yourself, your future. Uh, if, for me, that's about becoming the best version of you, of you, not someone else. Uh, but you've got to understand who you are to make sure you don't maybe reinvent yourself based upon, you know, somebody you admire, <laughs> but it's that's not it. you. <laughs>
2: the, the classic as a PT teacher is that you meet people. Uh, I did some PT work, and you meet people who say, Um, uh, I've uh, that that swimmer's got an amazing body, I, I want to swim, so I end up looking like that. And you say, Well, well you can't. The reason they're a swimmer is because that's their genetical makeup and build, and it works for swimming. That's why they're not sitting on a bicycle because they wouldn't necessarily be a cyclists they're not the you know the um, the cyclists of the world and so equally in, in everything we do from our careers perspective as you say don't try and be someone else be be inspired by maybe the outcomes or the values that you see in others that often what we see in others is what we actually see in ourselves mm-hmm. and what others see in us so it's it is about being true to us knowing us knowing what we value in our lives um, and I think the pandemic's changed a lot for a lot of people they've maybe noticed what they value more because their environments have changed so so dramatically it's helped them to actually have a little bit of time to stop and say is this what i want for my one life so i always talk about the fact that we have one life one opportunity no idea how long it is no idea when it will stop and i don't mean that to sound kind of miserable but what it means is make the most of it you know if it's not fun why do you do it because you only get to do this once so
1: you, you do. Do you think? Um, do you find? Do you find that leave maybe in you know, leaving a legacy is a, a motivator for people um, and for you? you know, just thinking about, you know, starting with the end in mind. Really imagining yourself sitting there when you're 80, sitting in a chair with your famous favorite drink, and just being able to look back and enjoy it all over again. Realize you've made a contribution. Because I mean, the interesting at the moment we're at a time in history where the world's in. You know, is it is in a real crisis? Probably the biggest crisis um, globally that any of us have experienced in our lifetime. Um, almost as the win- winter in terms of a cycle uh, of uh, around the globe. And I, I get a, I have a feeling that it's not a dress rehearsal anymore. If you've got the skills and abilities, go and plug yourself into something that's worthy that helps contribute to a better world.
2: Absolutely. And I think I've never really thought about the legacy part. And, and maybe that's, I don't have and can't have children. And so I think maybe when you're a parent, you think more about your children and their futures. And I don't have that. But what I think about is that my I have the time with my mum and dad now for a, a fixed period and i want to make the most of those times we have together and one time in the future when i'm some old woman in a oap home and no one has a clue what i ever did in my life somewhere in the world there'll be people saying um, when i was at school or when i was on this program or when i bought this piece of jewelry or whatever it is i met this woman and she helped me to do x or y and that they they got value from that and and I think if, if that's what happens in life for other people as a result of something I've done, then I feel like I've done what I was meant to do.
1: Yeah. yeah. And your, and your work at the moment, you were just explaining before the interview, you've been out, out working in Saudi Arabia recently. It's, a, it's in a very sort of global role and you've got the opportunity to touch lots of lives, haven't you? Through that kind the kind of work you're doing today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, I saw, actually, I saw a post on LinkedIn, um, from written by a wonderful man, um, a friend of mine, Nigel Girling. He's the most, one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. And he was delivering some work with IDG um, on what we might historically have called leadership development, but what we and IDG know now is about human performance development, because leadership is inextricably linked to so many factors. Um, And the work they were doing was talking about youth development. And and it was so inspiring because in Saudi Arabia, they are saying our youth matter. They are our future leaders. They are the future. And if we invest in them now between the ages of 16 and 28, then in years to come, they will be doing amazing things. So let's start there. And I've spent two weeks in Saudi Arabia with a phenomenal team of consultants from all different walks of life. Some people who've summited Everest and K2, um, a a doctor who's an ultra athlete, some just phenomenal people. And we worked with these 160 young people to help them over six days in a really intensive way to think about themselves, who they are, what skills they have, and how they can be the future leaders um, and it was so inspiring. Uh, yeah, it didn't feel like a job, I have to say. I, when I talked about that jigsaw and my piece in the puzzle, I knew from the moment I met the team that I fitted. And uh, it, yeah, it's just, it's a dream job, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and though being with those young people and seeing where they're going is fascinating. And I can't wait to see, as we get to work with them over time, where they go. I'm sure we'll be seeing them globally leading in the future, young
1: men and women, just such an inspiring bunch. Awesome. Amazing. I mean, um, she's got a couple of minutes left till commercial break, but I just, you know, we're often people may be listening at the moment and, uh, and it might be, you know, what they're going to do next as, as a client last week said to me, I'm stuck in the mist. <laughs> um, and, and I, I've, I've explained to him, that, you know, don't worry because uh, you know, frustration and uh, confusion always precedes clarity and I wonder whether you we'll, we'll talk about after the break because i just I've only got a minute left now but maybe you can have a, a little thing about how you would how you help people and the top tips you would give to people who are maybe in that mist who are, who are maybe a bit confused at the moment and have not reached clarity so ha- hold on to that thought Rona okay. we'll have a commercial break now and we'll come back and explore that in just a couple of minutes <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Cooper, and am with Dr. Rona McKenzie, and we're talking about about uh, talking about uh, reinventing the future. And I think we've we've identified that's really about you know identifying the best you, and uh, and maybe determining um, the next steps and uh, moving towards them. Um, sort of positively, but I'm, I'm really interested, Rona. You know, we talked about just before the break about you know maybe people feeling in this hazy kind of mist or feeling you know a sense of confusion and slightly lost. What tips would you give to people who are in that in that stage at the moment and wondering how to step forward?
2: Yeah, I mean it's really complex, isn't it? And I think underpinning it all is if we if we take good old Maslow's hierarchy, and um, if you're not having your basic needs met food and shelter Um, you don't have that income or relative security that income can provide or support from friends and family it's it's very very difficult so so these tips almost come with an assumption that those things are in place because change reinvention is very challenging and it's messy and and complicated and time-consuming and I mean, we don't necessarily get it right first time or, or indeed ever. Um, but I think the first thing is what we're doing now, which is talking out loud, thinking out loud, because um, I've just worked with some young people who were writing marketing um, pieces and they were writing and when they read them, they were reading them in their own heads. But once I got them to read them out loud, they heard the words in a very different way. And so finding someone that you trust and that you can think out loud with um, who is a supporter of yours, but equally who will gently challenge uh, and ask the questions that you might not necessarily have asked yourself. Um, that conversation is really, really valuable. And then knowing why you're changing, what for, who for. Um, so often that you mentioned it earlier, we're, we're changing because we've seen someone else do something and we're trying to be like that. But, but our narrative needs to put us in the driving seat. So we lead our reinvention. It's not led by others. Um, and I talked to earlier about what, we, what we're valuing in life, what motivates us, you know, um, what makes us our best selves. And equally, what triggers we might have that make us a lesser version. That profiling I mentioned includes showing your best self and also the shadow self. Um, which is the version that you may not necessarily want to see, and it can be triggered by by environments, by cultures. You know that classic uh, culture eat strategy for breakfast. It, the culture mm. of a place is so important, um, and I and I still think that if we look at. You know when you get lost in doing something because you love it so much and you actually you feel completely alive? If we can find work that lets us feel like that, we're in the right place. Mm. So sometimes the clues are in our hobbies or the activities we do places we find that gives us, you know, that extra breath and that feeling of being alive. If we can kind of capture what those qualities are, then I think it helps us to almost map out a potential future. So throw away what you think your identity is, like I did, I'm not ahead anymore, I'm I'm me and I've got all of these different skills and bits of knowledge and, and what might I want to do next. I study all the time. I started a new course last week um, on equality, diversity and inclusion because I realise I I don't know enough. I mean, I I never will, but I I want to know more and understand more. Um, And so that process of learning often takes us in a journey that we tend to learn things because we're interested. And when we're learning them, that's the direction we should be going in. And that might then lead to a new opening, a new opportunity. I, um, I was looking at some, some colleagues in the East Midlands were working before the pandemic and they set up a brand new business in the pandemic um, called the Colleague Box. And it's a, a box where they will, um, it can send out to your employees, gifts and things for them to receive through the post. The business has done phenomenally well, but what they did was they they did what they're passionate about and what they wanted to do, what's in their hearts. And if we can find that, then um, work won't feel like work. It'll life will feel like it's all mixed up and we can get lost in in the kind of beauty of all of it
1: fantastic I like that and I, I, I find that very fascinating actually people who have uh, who have thrived during the pandemic um, yeah. we had a, a, a gentleman on the show um, Haroon Dennis recently it, who, um, I I was one of 18 people who wrote um, a chapter in a book called play the game uh, which was a collaborate, collaborative book which uh just heard, I think it's going to be on the shelves of WH Smith's and uh, Waterstones, I believe. So um, that's quite exciting. But he, he, he um, I've interviewed a few of the, the, the other individuals in, in, in the book, and he has a business called Skin HQ. And they had three, three sort of stores before the pandemic. And by the time the pandemic was, was uh, you know, kind of felt like it was coming to its end about September, he had 36 um, around the world. And, and it just show, and he did it all through his laptop. And it just shows, doesn't it? Um, I mean, there were there were licenses and etc., but there were thirty six operating, and uh, and therefore there are opportunities even in a pandemic to to grow. And, and I wonder, I wonder, how are you? What are your recommendations for people who maybe have? You know, they they may be feeling a bit down, a bit a bit worn down by the pandemic, or and maybe maybe their jobs. Um, there's a lot of people working very very hard, particularly in you know in, in areas like medical and education where you came from, and maybe feeling a little bit low right now. Have you got you know? And but you need actually to to be able to reinvent that future and they need their energy much at a much higher kind of frequency. Any tips for you, from you on how to keep your energy and forward momentum high?
2: It's really challenging, isn't it? Because I know that if you asked me that question when things have been challenging in the past, I, I would have found it difficult to answer. Because when you're in that space where things are really tough, sometimes it's hard to kind of look up and out and over the top and see where where the kind of where the light is. Um, but a, a couple of things that I think have always rung true for me is that I know who my cheerleaders are, and I don't mean to sound that a bit bit toy but the people that love and support and care for me as me um, and who are always there and who we take time to, they might be friends or family colleagues people that we've got to know um, LinkedIn's been a great source of new friends inverted commerce. you know people I've got to know online over the last year who are doing amazing things and I've read their work and been fascinated by what they do and Joined them on Zoom and had a chat and got to know them a bit better, but but those cheerleaders who really value you are the ones that will re- help to refuel you with with that positive energy and knowing what really makes us come alive. So I know that this morning I woke up and I felt pretty tired and I went swimming and I felt a million dollars afterwards. Um, and I know that it's exercise and being active that make that brings me back to life, whatever's happening. And if you can work out what that thing is, um, then that really helps. But also trying new things. I tried Tai Chi last month. Um, I tried it because I'm a bit busy and active and like don't stop. And I thought oh. I'll try to learn to be more mindful in the moment. Um, and unfortunately it doesn't quite fit with work in terms of timings and locations. But what I did find was um, it's extremely challenging. It takes years of practice and dedication to, to grasp even the basics, but I've tried something new. Um, next, In the next few weeks, I'm going to be trying a new activity. Uh, I'm going to go Crown Green Bowling. Um, mm-hmm. because uh, my granddad used to do it and when he died we inherited his bowls. and I thought I've never tried it before let's have a go so I think that the art of trying something new right, when I was 40 I did 40 new things some of them weren't very <laughs> exciting I learned to make bread by hand and yeah. i would never been to um, the opera so I went and bought the cheap seats at the back and had a listen but by trying new things um, it does give new kind of extra nuance to your life and and you never know what you'll find that you might suddenly like and that could end up being your new future.
1: I love that. 40, yeah, 40 new things. Yeah,
2: like so that. I remember I was 40, my mum was 70, and I said to my mum, Mum, I'm going to do, I did 30 for my 30th birthday, I'll do 40 for 40. I said, What about you? She said, I am not doing 70 new things this <laughs> year. <I'll, laughs> I will be exhausted. So uh, my partner's 40 next year. So we start on the 1st of January, it's 40 things. Um, don't know what they're going to be yet, but how much fun are we going to have?
1: Fantastic. Yeah, it's just get a bit harder, doesn't it, as you get a bit older Yeah. You get... <laughs> so you might yeah. Fantastic. Unless you uh, yeah, maybe it's um it could be um 70 new things for the for the next decade or the next five exactly. years, not it for your yeah, mum?
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we'll
1: get her in. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll, get her, we'll get her on, she can explain to us what she's doing <laughs> in a, a year cruise time if she Yeah, that would that would be that would be great. I do I do wonder. Um, I, it depends on your relationship with people, doesn't it? And you you, you sound very close to your your family. Um, but are family and friends always the best people to you know to to bounce things like this off? Because um, sometimes people are very happy to you know to um, to not see you making massive change. You know, yeah. <laughs> sometimes a secret bit inside them which kind of might might sabotage what you, you know, your potential, if you're not careful, is is it better to speak to people who don't know you quite so well sometimes to, you know, get that perspective from them or people who maybe you you work with who, who you're completely, uh, are completely impartial. That's probably the word.
2: Yeah. I think that's interesting because um, if you, some of that takes real inner confidence to ask for feedback and then hear it in the right way, hear it in the way it's intended. So hear it for the positives even if it feels like it might be challenging. But I think you're absolutely right, asking all sorts of different people um, that you trust, and but importantly, who's, um, who you respect, and that you respect their opinion because then you'll be listening to it in the right way. Um, if you can do that, absolutely. Because um, I'm very fortunate, I'm very close to my parents and we have a great relationship. And I know that they um, are, are typically honest to me, but I'm sure at times they haven't quite been and not that they've hidden things, but they might not, it you know, might be difficult. I'm sure when I was at the UTC thinking of, reti- of leaving, they would be saying, yeah, I think you should, but I, I didn't ask them. Um, I asked those closest to me in a professional way. Um, as you say, and I found that really helpful. So it is important to know who you can trust and respect. And also sometimes we have people I talk about like having our bench. Sometimes you have to substitute people off for a bit. If that negative voice is coming through and it's not helping you, then um yeah, definitely time to give them a break and and ask someone else for some feedback.
1: Yeah, I like I like that idea. You're thinking about who your who your bench is, who who are maybe yeah. who are maybe the three or four people uh, sitting on your bench who are absolutely impartially on your side
2: absolutely
1: yes Um, because I I remember that sort of when I moved from uh, from corporate and parents was a big thing for me coming out of a small a steel town to go to college no one in the family had done it before to university and my parents supporting me through that and then having all these these different jobs and getting to a what seemed like a dream job and then you know, ultimately giving it up to set up a company and then giving that up to reinvent myself. And I think, um, it was a time my parents thought I was completely bonkers. <laughs> my, my wife was ringing. My mother was ringing my wife up and said, what's she doing? Well, he's pressing buttons on his computer and what's he doing? Um, and they, you know, it was hard to get the head round. It was Yay. really, it was, then um, a family member said to my wife, said, you know, you, you married, a you know, a, a an executive who was earning, earning a really good salary. And, um, you know, how do you how do you feel about him now? Because he seems to have given it all up, and and my wife said, "Well, he's happy."
2: Exactly.
1: Um, and that was that was quite nice to get her support, really. Absolutely. Um, which made the other person think, mm, "Yeah, um, <laughs> my, my husband's earning a fortune. But I never see him." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think happiness is impor- important.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So we
1: just got a, We just got a couple of minutes now until until uh, um, we we need to finish. And you know, I've, I've taken a lot from this interview about uh, you know about being you know open to change. About uh, you know if if maybe like you and your your A level exams you know that doesn't define you you can go out and you can um, you can you know get a mba you can become a come a doctor it doesn't need to limit you and then i'm um, thinking about the serendipity that you had noticing that you know the the chap that you spoke to at newark station uh, that you bumped into which led to a, an opportunity and you know being cu- curious and and keep on studying keep on learning and then exercise and uh, and having your bench so lots of really interesting interesting different thoughts and reflections there so i wonder do you have a, a final message that you'd like to leave us with
2: i guess it's a bit of a cliche um but but we do have one life <clears throat> one life of a kind of ind- indeterminable lens oh, um,
1: five seconds ten seconds sorry it's my I fault. Would say,
2: <laughs> no, live with curiosity with passion and with gratitude and have fun because if it's not fun there's no point
1: Fantastic. Well, it's been wonderful having you on the show today, um, Rona, and uh, Rona from the Inspirational Development Group. I guess people can Google that and uh, find the website and check check that out. And uh, is a route to contact you if anybody wanted to.
2: Yeah, LinkedIn's the best place. I'm on there and would love to chat
1: fantastic so i wish uh, everybody else a, a wonderful christmas new year um if you're if you're out there i'll be um we'll have to play a couple of re- repeated shows favorite ones in the next two weeks and then we'll be back again in the new year uh with uh, guy ferreira do join us um and um, do go into the archive if you if you're struggling there's uh, and want to listen to something there's 441 shows in there now so there'll be something in there for you to listen to but but keep well Uh, keep happy and a good time to think about reinventing your future perhaps
0: we thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show please join your host Chris Cooper again next Friday at 8am US Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel be more, achieve more.